licked. I don't want to lick it. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for being a blessing to my family. Um, you've gone far and beyond. Uh, I just want to say it's a blessing. Uh, all the meals have been great. Tonight, uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, a lot of times I'll eat a little bit light before I preach and everything, so I literally chickened out tonight. Okay, that went just like a lead balloon. <laughs> for those of you who didn't know, we had chicken tonight, so. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you for the many blessings. Thank you for your fellowship, your friendship, your prayers, all those things, and uh, may the Lord bless you all. I just want to say thank you, and hopefully we've been able to be a blessing to you as well. So let's dig into the Word of God tonight. Let's turn to John chapter number 4 tonight. John chapter number 4. One of my favorite passages in preaching on missions. What better way to look at an example of missions than that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, He didn't just call us and not set an example for us. He did it all. Called us, gave us a great commission, but he also set the example of how to be a witness there in his word. And I just praise the Lord for that. If you're willing and able to, we're going to be reading quite a bit, but I still would ask that you would stand in honoring of reading of God's word tonight. We're going to start reading in John chapter number 4, verse number 1, down through verse number 43. The Bible says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that sayest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. When He is come, He will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. 
And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. And the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ. What a wonderful phrase. The Savior of the world. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. It's about a word of prayer. Father, I just want to say thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray that you would take control of the services. Father, I pray that you would use your messenger tonight. Lord, help me to be filled with your power, filled with your Holy Spirit. Father, speak to us. Give us a burden. Lord, I believe we're missing that in churches today. Lord, we're missing the burden for souls. We're missing the understanding of the need to be able to present the gospel into a lost and dying world. Father, would you revive us? As it's already been mentioned, Lord, it's not necessarily a missions conference, but a missions revival. So, Father, would you do so? Would you revive our hearts for missions? Lord, I pray that you would help me to be underneath your leadership. Humble me tonight. Speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, if there's someone here that is lost, Lord, I pray that they wouldn't leave. Lord, that they would be convicted. Lord, that they would not be comfortable. Lord, that you would help them to understand their need of a Savior in their life. To be able to call you Father. To be able to call you Lord and Savior. Father, thank you for sending your Son to die upon the cross for my sins. And Lord, we ask that you would do a work amongst your people. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In studying this and understanding some things of the Jews, and we've heard it already this week of how the Jews and the Samaritans were really at aught with one another. They're all the way back and in, even into the Old Testament, that even to the point where this woman sat here and said that, why are you even speaking to me? Why? Listen, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And it really brings to uh, understanding to us who are Christians some things that we can look in this passage and understand there may be some things that we are doing that is keeping us separated, that is, in a sense, keeping us at aught with this world that may have a different belief than we do. Turn over, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 17, and understanding that, listen, the Bible does teach us that we are to be separated, that we are to be uh, new creatures, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Bible says there, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. 
Behold, all things are become new. We have a new desire. We have a new mindset. We're to be transformed into the image of Christ. We are to be separated from the wickedness of this world and separated unto God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and will be their God and they shall be my people. We are to be separated unto God. We are to live holy as he is holy, but not to be isolated from this world. And that's exactly what the Jews were doing. And we see there in verse number four and back in our passage of speaking that there was a need. It says that he must needs go through Samaria. The theme of the conference, the theme of this mission's revival is Acts 1-8 and talking. It's amazing of speaking of those different locations. And one of those locations is Samaria. And too many times as a saved person, we often go to Jerusalem. We also go to Judea. And we all, many times go to the uttermost part of the earth. But listen, we forget to go to our Samaria. Those that may be our enemies. Those that may be of a different belief. But God has called us even unto Samaria. And here, Christ is giving us the example here of some things in our life. And as the disciples were going into town, there was a need here of this Samaritan woman. I want to preach on that thought tonight, being separated unto God, but not being isolated from the world. The word separate means to set apart, disconnect, disconnect or withdraw or break away And the word isolate means a person who is alone, who has minimal contact with others or a place that is remote and far away from other people. Understanding that this is exactly what the Jews wanted to do with the Samaritans. They didn't want to have any dealings with the Samaritans. They wanted to be as far away from them as they possibly can. And each time they would go around Samaria, when they were going from Judea to Galilee, they would go around, but there was a Samaritan woman that needed to hear the gospel. There was someone there at the well that needed to hear about Christ. And Christ himself set the example for you and I to preach the gospel unto her, to to share with her of who he is, the everlasting water that he can be able to give to her, that she would come each and every time, each and every day to that point of the hottest part of the day. She would go for a temporary fix. But she left with an eternal fix. She left changed. And we'll see that here in just a moment. But we notice here the fact that there was an ought between the two of the Jews and the Samaritans. And how shameful of us will we get to the point of trying to be so separated, not that it's not important to live a holy life, not that it's not important to be separated unto God, but we almost put ourselves on a pedestal that we don't want to have anything to do with this world. We don't want to communicate with them. I understand that evil communications corrupt good manners. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm not talking about fellowship with them. But we get to the point where we don't want to have nothing to do with them. When God said go, go into the world. And as this Samaritan woman was changed, we are commanded to go to tell the world to come. Is this not the Christ? Is this not the one who changed your life? Is this not the one who changed my life? Is this not the one who shed his blood for you and I? Not only you and I, but also for the Jews and also for the Gentiles. And even this Samaritan woman, he shed his blood for her as well. First thing I want us to look at there in verse number four, there was a need that needed to be met. 
The Bible says that as he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee, the Bible says that he must needs go to Samaria. We understand that the disciples, whenever they were trying to give him that meat to eat, he was telling them, listen, I have a different meat to eat. Listen, the, 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 my meat is to do the will of the Father and to be able to finish his work. That is what's important right now. Not a temporary, not a, not a physical thing of life. What is important right now, they were not understanding at that moment. They looked and they, didn't, they were too embarrassed. They did not want to mention of the thoughts that were going on in their mind. Why speakest thou with her? She's a Samaritan woman. But oh, the love of Christ. Look beyond of her nationality. Look beyond of her faults of all these husbands. Look beyond in spite of who she was. Saw the need in her life. And that's what we need to be in missions. That's what we need to be in going to a lost and dying world is seeing the need. Let me ask you this question, if you would. I ask myself a lot of times in studying the Word of God, some questions given unto me. Listen, we ought to ask ourselves questions. Jesus sat there and asked His disciples questions many, many times so they can grasp and get a hold of the truth of what they were trying to to learn from Him. And I asked many times a question to me. And so a lot of times in preaching God's Word, I'll... Not necessarily wanting your participation of answering it for me, but in your own heart, in your own mind right now, of answering it for yourselves between you and God. Let me ask you this question. Why are you here tonight? Why are you here? Well, Brother Al, we're having a missions conference. And I understand that. And it's great to be able to have one. It's great to be able to be revived for missions. But have you already applied what God has already been dealing with our hearts already this week? Or are we looking to other things? Listen, we're just like so many times, even as God's people, even as these disciples knew what they were supposed to be doing. It wasn't the fact that the disciples went. It wasn't the fact that they went and told the men of the, of the city whenever they were getting the meat. It wasn't of their doings that these people came to hear about Christ. It was about the woman who testified of a change in her life. Of what Christ had done in her life. She saw the need of going to her own city. Of going to her own people and said, hey, come and see. Is this not the Christ who changed my life? Who He can change yours as well. But as a Christian, as just like these disciples, too many times we're too worried about the physical things of life. We're too worried about the, the meat as, as these disciples were coming up to Christ and saying, you need, you need to eat. Here's the meat for you. Here's what what you had us to do. And I'm not saying that they didn't obey Christ, but they were too concerned as as Mary and Martha was there, as Martha was, listen, too concerned about the the service and doing out of a a duty instead of a compassion, instead of a love for, for the service, instead of looking at the Samaritan woman with love and compassion. Missions is not about duty. Missions is not about, well, I'm supposed to do this. Mission is about having a true burden and seeing the need right out there in front of us and sharing that gospel. The need. Not a need of the physical things. Too many times we're worried about our job, the need of a job, and I understand those things to be able to support us, but do you not think God can provide for those things? A need to be able to sit there and sadly we, we go to sporting events and we go to these other things and we sit there and, and watch ball games for three hours and we can't even sit through services for three hours to hear about missions. We can't even sit with someone to be able to show them according to the Word of God what it means by repentance, what it means by the blood share, shedding for their sins. We, we don't have time for those things. The need. The need of sharing the gospel 
to a lost and dying world. We need to get back to the burden. We need to get back to seeing what the need is in our life of sharing what God has given unto us. The need. He must needs go through Samaria. If I'm too loud, just turn me down. (laughs) But I'm excited. I'm excited what God has done. I'm excited in this passage. I'm telling you, I love this passage. But I want you to notice there, and it's a very simple phrase here. I want you to notice there in verse number 7, not only was there a need that he must needs go through Samaria, but there was the love of Christ being shown unto her soul. You say, well, how is that in verse number 7? It says, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. Brother Riley, what? how in the world does that show his love and compassion on her life? We already stated the fact that Jews and Samaritans didn't even want to talk to each other. Who's the one that brought up the conversation? Come on now, who's the one that brought up the conversation? Jesus. Jesus. Woman, give me a drink. She even mentioned it. She was even questioning it herself. What? You're, You're a Jew and you're speaking to me? This world, and I, I remember the last time being here at a missions conference of a preacher preaching of the very fact of caring. They're looking for something. They're looking for something to satisfy. They're looking for someone to be able to show interest in their life. They're looking for someone to care. They're looking for someone to love them. Just as Christ has loved you and I, they're looking for someone that can be able to help them. As we learned about last night, they're looking for something that would satisfy their soul. They're turning to worldly things. They're turning to drinking. They're turning to gambling. They're turning to money. We have something to be able to share to them. They need to see us loving on them. Starting that conversation. Listen, they're not going to come to us most of the time and not going to sit there and say, hey, will you show Christ to me? We ought to be showing Christ anyways through our life. Amen. We ought to be sharing that amongst our lives. We ought, we ought to be excited to share about what he has done. Brother Ryan, I'm not a good speaker. Neither was Moses. God gave him Aaron, which I believe is the type of the Holy Spirit. God gave him Aaron. Paul, you can sit there and look at him. The, one of the greatest missionaries outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul himself. What did he do? What did he do there in the, in the Sanhedrin Council? He told of his testimony of what Christ did for his life on the road to Damascus. Do you have a testimony here tonight to be able to tell? Do you have some excitement there of what Christ has done in your life? Some changes? Is there some fruit being shown in your life that you changed? Tell them about what Christ has done in your life. Love upon them. Share with them what, they can do, what he can do for them as well. In spite of who she was, he looked beyond those faults and failures of her life. Listen, the lost are going to act lost. They don't have that light of the glorious gospel living inside of them. They're not able to, as Matthew chapter 6 sat there and says, to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. They're not able to do those things. But we need to be careful of not being saved and acting lost And looking at people at Walmart, looking at people in an airplane, and looking at faults and failures, looking at our president, looking at our vice president, and looking and almost wishing harm on them. Loving, looking beyond. They're a lost sinner just like you and I were. Listen, a love for the soul. He had a love for the soul. She said, he knew who I was. Knew that all ever I did. Come see, is this not the Christ? All the people of the Bible, 
all the many wicked people. You look at Nebuchadnezzar, you look at all those people. God still loved them. God still shed his, shed his blood for them. Then I want you to look at where the relying power was, was found. I love her questioning to him, and it's, it's so much meaning here. And I'm sure there's much more. The Bible is just continuing, and you, me and Brother Little was talking about finding just those gold nuggets. And I'm sure there's even more here. But then verse number 11, the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. Now remember, she brought this water pot to come to this well to be able to draw water each and every day. She came to a point of the hottest part of the day where no one was around because of her lifestyle and everything. But the Bible says to nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? How are you able to draw water out of this well that is so deep? You brought nothing. You know why? Because he's everything. He said, woman, (laughs) pay attention. I'm the everlasting water. I can quench your thirst. You've come here with your own ways and your own methods. You've come here and you've got water and you went back and you had only a temporary fix. The next day you came back and you drew drew water from the well and you went back and you only had a temporary fix. She was trusting in that water pot to be able to keep her going, to be able to have that temporary fix. And Jesus Christ sat there and said, listen, I can fix that for you today. I am the one that can save you. I'm the one that can change your life. And he did. Nothing to draw with and the well is deep. That phrase, the well is deep, kind of struck and hit me. The well is never too deep for him to draw out. What does the Bible say over there in Psalms? Out of a miry pit. Drew me out. Never too deep to be able to draw me out. Of all the darkness, of all the the position I was in, the path I was going, and understanding those wells and understanding those pits of that time, they would be put in there and they would be put in darkness. You couldn't even really see the hand in front of your face. They were confused. They were fearful. They were not able to see where they were going in there. But the Lord Jesus Christ of salvation picked me up, brought new life, quickened me as, as we heard the brothers speak last night, brought new life, shed light upon me, gave me light, gave me a direction, gave me a desire to be able to serve Him. The well is never too deep to draw out with His water. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, as the Bible is teaching of, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. You know what sadly Christians are doing today in missions? They're still relying on that water pot. What do you mean, Brother Alley? That water pot was a tool to be able to use, to be able to draw all that water, to be able to share, whether it was for her, whether it was for her family. And I understand there's a, there's a two side of this, of understanding her, her life has been changed, old things are passed away, that listen, that all those things were temporal. But you and I are the water pot for Christ. But as a Christian, too many times we rely on that water pot instead of water that's in it. It's not within my power. God called. God enabled me. But as the Bible says, he'll worry about the increase. One watereth, or excuse me, one soweth. One watereth. God worries about the increase. Whenever I was studying this, I believe it's in in verse number five. I'll get it mixed up. Where it talks about Jacob's well. You know, sometimes in the Bible I look at things and I'm like, man, I just, it's almost just like, boom, Jacob's well was there. And we know, according to the Word of God, there's nothing there put as, uh, well, that's just a filler. 
Jacob's well was there. And I studied that and studied that. I'm like, man, Lord, what, what, is, what is the importance of that? What is the importance of that? And finally, it finally hit me. Long ago, Jacob's well being built for an opportunity for a Samaritan woman later on to be able to get saved. Too many times we're worried about results, worried about how many people we can win to the Lord. We're worried about numbers and we're worried about this. We're worrying about and we're relying upon the pot. What we need to do is worry about planting the seed. Worry about maybe, maybe being the one after the seed's been planted. Maybe Brother Hudson is planting the seed. Maybe I come along and, and begin to water it. We need to be worried about those things. Long ago, Jacob's well was built to give an opportunity, a place for this woman to be able to sit here with Jesus Christ, to be able to speak of himself, to be able to share with her of everlasting life. You might not see results today. You might not sit there and look and see somebody say, but keep on working and keep on planting that seed. There may be somebody coming along later on. Their heart might be being worked upon. Their heart might be melted. Their heart might be breaking down those walls and those things. And maybe someone coming along to be able to water it. And God finally, to be able to save their soul because finally they trusted Christ as their personal Savior. We're too worried about results. I'm just as much as you are. I like to see results. That ought not to be our defining factor of whether we're a good witness or not. I go to a door and knock on their door. I've heard this way too many times. I've heard this from Christians knocking on a door. Well, I don't want to hear about the gospel today. And shut their door, shut their door, shut their door. To the point that Christians stop coming to visitation. I don't know if you have visitation or not. I'm just saying what I've heard in the past. They have stopped going out on visitation one or two things. Well, I don't believe it can happen anymore because doors are being shut. Or two, not everyone else is coming out. There's not a, as a bigger group as last time. Since when did God sit there and say, hey, if there's a big group, then you come out and go out into the world? Come on now. If we truly have a desire and see the need of a lost person, it doesn't matter who's out there. It doesn't matter who is at our job. It doesn't matter who is our boss, whether they're kind or whether they're mean. It doesn't matter of those things. If we have a true need and a burden for the lost, we'll share the gospel. We'll share that gospel. And then I want us to continue on looking at the change in her life. Right there in front of these disciples, seeing the change upon her life. And the Bible says in verse 27, Upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Why are you having any dealings with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the sea and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? That's an exciting statement. And at the same time, sad for those disciples. Those that have been saved for a while. Those that I understand, not talking about many, many years. I'm just saying that they have been saved and understanding and seeing the miracles of Christ. Seeing the dealings with Him. And looking at Jesus, the Savior of the world. Looking at Him, speaking unto this woman. And began looking and asking questions. Why speakest thou with her? And did not say a word. And yet the one who had her life changed went and had to speak all those words. Come see a man. Once again, I'm full of questions. When's the last time you told somebody, come see? Come see? Brother Ryan, I'm not good with words. 
This is the first time she's ever even probably talked about Christ in the sense of this new heart. Come see. Listen, it ought to be natural to a Christian to share. Oh, yes, we have this flesh. Oh, yes, there's fear of those things, of doors being slammed in our face. I understand all those things. But, man, the excitement and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Come see. We need to be looking for opportunities to be able to share Christ. Christ found an opportunity there at the woman at the well. And the Bible says even later on that they asked him to stay with them longer. And he took the time and abode with them or abided with them two more days. And the Bible says many more got saved because of his word. Do you have the time for somebody to be able to sit down with them? If they ask you, will you be, share this with me? Will you share Christ with me? Or we don't have time and say, well, maybe not today. Can you, can you come back about 6 o'clock again tomorrow when we have more time? The Bible says redeem the time. I might have time. They don't. I might be able to do some things in my life. But listen, they're headed to the road to hell. And if they're asking us, abide with me. Just as these men of the city, abide with me. We've heard the change of this woman. We've heard what he's done in your life. Will you abide with me? Listen, I... Right now, you're probably already thinking, but Brother Riley, what about my job? What about this? What about that? What's more important? The meat that the disciples came to bring or the meat that the Father told us to finish? I must be about my Father's business, as the Lord said. I must needs go through Samaria. I must begin to talk to this woman about the everlasting water that will quench her thirst. So I ask this question to you tonight. Are we separating ourselves to the point where I don't want to have anything to do with people? Well, brother, I'm not a people person. I don't like to go up to the cash register. I like to go to those self-checkouts. We're not looking for opportunities. Well, I, don't, I, I like to go to the mobile, mobile pay and all those. We're not looking for opportunities. She came at an unusual opportune time. And you know, the Holy Spirit a lot of times will, will catch us off guard and be like, this is the one you need to speak to. This is the one that is ready. This is the one that I am leading you to. Are we even praying each and every day? The Bible sat there and said right there in our, in our passage, lift up your eyes. Behold, it's wide already. I believe too many times we lift up our eyes and it's a judgmental look. We're looking at the harvest, looking at their ways and seeing who they are. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, for during deputation, the Lord had to speak to my heart, not necessarily about the people around me, but our nation's leaders. Brother Al, what do you mean by that? I pray for Biden. Brother Al, he's not my president. That's not my decision. The Bible speaks of that God is the one who controls all that. I pray for our leaders whether it's someone in there that we believe and agree or somebody that we disagree, God called me to a people, not a political stance, not a color, not a disagreement or belief. Whether it, Listen, the Bible says love your enemies. I'm not to make enemies. Come on now. I'm not to make enemies. But the Lord had to get a hold of my heart that I would oftentimes be spoken to of praying for my leaders and coming down to the altar and saying, Lord, 
give them an opportunity to be able to hear the gospel and then walking right out those doors and bashing them and almost wanting ill will to them. Lord looks at me and says, think I'm going to take you seriously? Do you truly love them like I told you to love them? Go into the world. We've been commanded to go into the world so that we might be just like that Samaritan woman. Come. Come and see a man. Is this not the Christ? She wasn't asking it of like, oh, I don't know. No. Hey, this is the one we've been talking about. Hey, look, is this not the Christ? Is it, this, is the, this is the prophecy. This is the one we've been looking forward to. Is he, is he not it? This, listen, this is all proof right here. This is him. This is Christ. This is the Messiah. But are we too worried about us being so holy, so coming out from among them, that we don't want to be amongst them? Bible says that we're, you know, I understand we're not out of the world. And one thing I found, I'll end with this. You might not think that, you know, geography and everything is maybe that important. But you notice the direction that Jesus was headed. He was going up. He didn't go around. But you know where we, we are headed? We're headed up. But we need to be going through Samaria. We don't need to cut the corners. We don't need to go around and try to bypass people. We need to go right through Samaria and save, or excuse me, lead them to salvation as many as we can to help them. Amen. Let's all stand. Father, I just want to say thank you for this time. Father, thank you so much for your word. There is so much there. And God, Lord, I pray that this wasn't a message of just harping and harping, but Lord, truly, Lord, you've given me a burden, and I hope that was expressed that this is important. That too many times, sadly, us as Christians are probably one of the most, in a sense, racial people because we look down upon others because of what we have. God, help us not to be that way. No matter who is in office, no matter who is our next-door neighbor, no matter who is our boss, no matter who is our coworker, God, they need to hear about you. To be able to be out of that bondage of slavery to sin. God, help me. Help me to be a better witness for you. Give us that love and that burden back. Lord, as it was mentioned this morning, and wholly follow you wherever you would call us. And we ask these things in Jesus.